0: Potawatomi oral tradition seems to have been preserved much better than many others. So, as I study this, I think it will just be as useful for me to read it aloud as it would be for me to read it alone. This way I could share it with my grandchildren should the opportunity ever arise without having to read it to them. We live in a time, interesting time, a time of blessings and of curses and some people no longer know the difference. So it's good to go back and learn what men once taught their children so the children would grow up to be the kind of men that we can live with in harmony. The creation of the world. In the beginning of things, there was nothing but water everywhere and no land could be seen. On the waves, a canoe floated, and a man sat in it and wept because he had no idea what would happen. After a while, a muskrat climbed up on the canoe and said, "'Greetings, grandfather. Why are you crying?' The man answered, "'I've been here a long time, and I cannot find any land.' The muskrat replied, "'But there is earth under all this water.' The man asked the muskrat, "'The man asked the muskrat,' "'to get him some land, and the muskrat dove down "'and came up again with both paws full of mud. "'He dived again and brought up a ball of earth in his mouth. "'The man did not think this was enough land to live on. "'The man asked the muskrat if he was all alone, "'and the muskrat answered, No. "'The muskrat gave out a call, and the animals, "'chiefs of the water, swam up to the canoe.' The first to come was a white muskrat. I hear that you want to see us, he said to the man. Yes, answered the man, I want you to bring me some earth so I can make the world. I will make it a good world where we can all live. The animals agreed and they all began to dive. They all brought up earth. And the man they called grandfather kneaded the mud that they brought and molded it into a long column that reached from the surface of the water to the earth beneath it. It showed above all the waves and he kept adding to it. They kept on day after day until it was finally solid and there was a lot of land there. Then the man planted a great tree there he kept adding to the land as the man worked on the north end of the island he noticed that the ground grew dry and dusty he asked his animal helpers how they liked what he had made and they told him that it was a good place to sun themselves he told them to keep on bringing him earth and he would make it better Thus, he kept on until the world was completed. Then he told his animal friends that it would be covered with green grass and trees, and he took a stick, and he marked out where he wanted the rivers to run, and then he had the muskrats dig out the channels. At last, the man built a wigwam. When he had it ready, the muskrats were close by in a lake, so he went over and planted rushes along the shore for them. Then he got into his canoe and he paddled out into the ocean and called on the muskrats to help him again while he built another world. He built it up until it met the first one. Now, he said, I have it the way I want it. One day he walked up to the north end of his island and found some people there. He approached them and asked them where they came from. They were Potawatomi, and they asked who he was. I am Wisaka, he replied. The Potawatomi replied, Well, we have heard of you. You must have come from above, as we did. No, answered Wisaka. I've always been here, and I made this earth and all that you can see on it. Well, then, said one, you must be the great spirit. Yes, answered Wisaka. That's who I am. Who can do any more than I have? Wisaka asked the muskrats to dive into the lake and fetch him some tasty roots. When he had plenty, he told them to stop, and then he gave the roots to the Indians. They camped beside his lodge and. He lent them his cooking utensils. He showed them how to make clay pots and how to cook their food. Wasaka showed the people the forest that he had made. And in the woods, he showed them how to peel bark and make household utensils like baskets. And he showed them how to make string to tie their lodge poles together, ropes. He instructed them how to gather and prepare reeds, to weave mats and how to make rush-mat wigwams. The next day, he told them that there would be animals in the world, and deer, buffalo, and other game appeared. In this way, Wisaka made the world right for the Potawatomi. That was adapted from Alanson Skinner, the muskatoons or Prairie Potawatomi Indians. Part 3, Mythology and Folklore, Milwaukee Public Museum Bulletin, blah, blah. Now, isn't this amazing? I just read you something from the internet, but you don't have to read it, and you don't have to review my stumbling, mumbling, but you heard the story. And you heard some parts of the story and you know you could go on the internet and check it more closely someday and see what were these people thinking, you know, how were they telling these stories and to whom were they telling the stories and I think we have to agree that this story was being told to a white person, somebody who would call Indians Indians before Indians called Indians, Indians, which Indians call Indians nowadays. For the most part. I mean, white people call them Native Americans and Amer Indians and stuff, but Indians call them Indians. That's the way it is. Okay, there's going to be another episode tomorrow. This is going to go on and on and on. Every day we're going to learn something new. Adios. The origin of corn and other crops. Corn is actually called maize in most places. And maize is closer to the word that the people who lived on the land masses we call America, the word they had sounded similar to the word maze that made it into European vernacular through the Spaniards. After man was created, he was lonely, so the Creator gave him a sister to keep him company. The man dreamed that five spirits would visit his sister and want to marry her. The man dreamed that five spirits would visit his sister and want to marry her. The dream told him that she should reject the first four and marry the fifth suitor. The first four suitors to arrive were tobacco, squash, melon, and bean. On being rejected by the girl, they each fell dead. The fifth and last suitor was dead. Mandamin or corn or maize, the girl took him for her husband, and he buried the other four suitors from their bodies drew tobacco, squashes, melons, and beans. All Indian people are descended from the marriage of the Indian girl, and corn. That story was adapted by Dorothy Moulding, or from Dorothy Moulding Brown, 1940, Wisconsin Indian corn origin myths. The Men Who Visited the Sun There were once six men who spent a lot of time together. They agreed that all they wanted to go and visit, they agreed that they all wanted to go and visit the sun. So they had a feast and called the tribe together and told them of their plan. They told the people not to be afraid if they did not return quickly, for they were sure to be gone a long time and might perhaps never return. They asked the people to help them with their prayers. Each took a new deer skin suit with the sun marked on the chest, and they painted the sun on their faces. They also wore a certain feather in their hair. They took tobacco to the chief and told him that they were going to start in four days. The chief agreed and gave his permission, so they gave a feast the, ne- the next day. On the last day, all was prepared, and all had their feathers ready. The next day they started due east to meet the sun. It rose higher and higher, yet they kept on, until they came to some high mountains where the sun seemed low. They kept going, and in the evening found the place where the sun rose. They camped there that night, and in the morning, they caught the sun, got on it, and talked to it. The sun asked what they wanted, and who had told them where to find him. They replied that the great spirit had told them where to find him. Well, what can I do, replied the sun. I'm only put here to furnish the world with light. I cannot even stop to talk to you because I have to travel to the far west today as I do every day. we, We came here to beg for your power, said the leader. We want to help our people to be happy. Well, said the son again, look down and see your people. Far below them, they could see a dark patch, and the second man remarked that he was glad that he had come so far with the sun, and he begged for help. My brother, said the sun, I am put here only for one thing, and that is to give light. Perhaps I can help you in some way, but you must tell me what it is. Then the men begged for the gift of seeing into the future. Since the sun since the sun was since the sun could see where it was going he could grant this. Since the sun could see where he was going he could grant the man the gift of seeing into the future. All right, said the sun. If that is all, I can help. I will put you down in the west, where I go through the earth at the end of the day. <laughs> so that man got to see sunsets. Another man asked for everlasting life, saying, I don't want to die. I want to be here to help my people as long as this earth will last. All right, replied the sun. I can do that. I will grant you immortality. When you start back, you will suddenly turn into something which never dies. Your name will be cedar tree. And you will remain forever with all nations and all people. You will be the first one that they use in their feasts. All people will think of you as holy. I also want to be immortal, cried another man. I want to remain with my brother always. Let it be so then, said the son. I will also bless you. You too will be a great help to all your people. You shall be everlasting. You won't die either. And you and your friend will be changed at the same time. Another asked to be blessed in some way associated with the water. And he later was changed into a merman, half fish and half man. None of these men really understood what was going to happen to them. They even felt a little jealous of each other and each wished for what the other had received. When the sun reached its western stopping place, they all climbed off and thanked him. The last man told the sun that he desired no change or blessing. He only wanted to remain as the great spirit had made him and said that he had only come to see the sun and help the others. As they were on their way back, the man who had first asked for everlasting life suddenly said, Here's where I'm to stay. When the others looked back, they saw a great, sweet-smelling cedar tree. Take my leaves and use them for incense at your ceremonies, it said, and call the cedar tree your nephew when you speak of it a moment later the other man who desired immortality cried out here's where i'm to stop and behold they saw a great boulder the stone spoke to them saying when you are sick heat a stone and put it where it hurts you can also make fireplaces of me And use me in the sweat lodges when you purify yourselves with the cedar. I asked you to be with my friend all the time. I asked. That's what I asked for. I asked to be with my friend all the time. So tell the tribe to come and see us from time to time. Let them pray to us and offer us tobacco. And that is how the Potawatomi got the sacred cedar and the stones they use in their sweat lodges. Adapted from Allison Skinner, as mentioned earlier. Here's a story of a poor man. Once there was a poor orphan who was not well brought up. He was respected by no one and never got invited to feasts or ceremonies. Despite this, he managed to get married and went hunting by himself on foot or with his canoe. He usually had very little luck hunting, but once he killed a deer. He built a little shelter to stay overnight, started to cook the deer meat, and sat down to rest with his dog beside him. He smoked and dozed, and after a while he opened his eyes and saw a person standing there. He looked again, and the person vanished. He thought it was strange that his dog had not seemed to notice that anyone was there. The man turned his meat on the fire and turned, looking up again, saw two men there. They seemed poor and unable to speak. The man greeted them and said, My friends, (laughs) you frightened me. I am poor. No one brought me up to know what to do under these circumstances. I would like to know who you are, but I do not know how to ask. The two smiled and nodded to him in a friendly manner, so he went on. Well, I shall feed you and do what I can For your comfort, they nodded again. Are you ghosts? the hunter asked. Again they smiled and bowed. So he began to broil meat on the coals as one does for the souls of the dead. The man was camped right in the middle of an ancient and forgotten cemetery, and since the ghosts were there, he thought that might be the case. He offered prayers to the dead and prayed for the safety of his wife and child. He promised to make a feast for these people who were long dead and forgotten and promised to always mention the names of the two visitors or at least to speak of them. The next day he killed four bucks and luck went with him wherever he traveled. When he got home, he told his wife what had happened and how he had been frightened when the two speechless men stood there. He told her to help him prepare a feast for them, although he did not know their names. He hoped that these ghosts would help them to become accepted by society. He invited one of the honorable men of the tribe and told him of his strange adventure. He explained that he did not know how to go about giving a feast of the dead, and he turned it over to the elder man. The old man said that the poor man had done the right thing, and that the appearance of the the ghosts was a good omen, so the feast was held. A long time passed. And the poor man became a very great hunter, but he never forgot to sacrifice holy tobacco to the two spirits. After a long while, he became one of the leaders of the tribe and remained faithful to the memory of the two ghosts he had met. Once again, from Allison Skinner. Al Anson. A-L-A-N-S-O-N. Skinner. three segments to a show is what I'm shooting for and 25 to 30 minutes for each show so if I take the first two together that we just did of the uh, Potawatomi stories we use these as starting places for future stories so i can say to someone listening to me if you haven't heard that episode number 10 or 11 whenever it was go back and listen to that episode and then come back and listen to this one and see if we learned some lessons along the way that still need to be passed on beyond today There are wonderful stories living on the internet that have been sleeping in musty libraries for centuries. We shall explore this realm and admit that we do live in those days when knowledge has increased. And our minds are capable of holding more than we have ever imagined. Adios.